One, two, three. This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles. Hey, that's a hell of a job coming down here being the good football team. Three-step drop, throws to the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Brought to you by Advent Health. With award-winning care and a network of convenient locations, Advent Health is here to help you feel whole. Learn more at yourcareyournetwork.com. Fire the cannons. Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips and head coach Todd Bowles. Welcome into the Todd Bowles Show. Casey Phillips here with head coach Todd Bowles, who is headed to the playoffs, who is back-to-back NFC South champ. Congratulations, Coach. Thank you, Casey. Uh, how did it feel? How does it feel to be sitting here knowing all of that after the game is over? And, and how did it feel right when the game ended? It felt great to finally get in the playoffs, you know. We've had an up-and-down year. We had some tough losses. We had some tough wins. But to get that one the way we got it, um, tough team, tough defense. They've been playing tough all year. We earned it, you know. You never feel sorry about going to the playoffs, especially winning the division. It's a hat and T-shirt game. It's a nice hat and T-shirt game. We want to move on from there. How was the locker room after it? And uh, I imagine those are some of the moments of – why you do what you do. That was the biggest satisfaction, seeing the smile on all those guys' faces, Nacho and Will, Tristan and everybody. Seeing the smiles on their faces made it all worthwhile. And I imagine that when you're down 14 to nothing at one point during the game, um, there's, there's some nerves there. But to know that this is a team that has come back so many different times and also down 21 to 10 at one point in the fourth quarter, Knowing what this team is capable of, does it change anything about those moments for you as a head coach when you see that on the scoreboard? Well, we felt like we were still in it. We didn't feel like the game got away from us. We thought we made some mistakes that we can fix, and everybody was still engaged. Everybody believed in each other. We've done this quite a few times this year, so the the connection was there. The camaraderie was there. We just had to bear down and put some work in, and we did that. What do you say now would probably be some of the main causes of getting to that point of the, the 14 to nothing deficit early on? Oh, busted coverage, lack of communication. That seems to be the, the theme uh, for sure. And for you guys, um, just to know that you're capable of it, but also what did it say about the team in that moment that in a game like this that felt like a playoff game to now know that they also didn't feel that way at 14 to nothing, that to know that they feel like they believe in that. How hard is that to instill in a team, that kind of belief? Because I'm sure there are a lot of other teams that at that point might just throw in the towel and to know that that isn't the team you coach. You know, me and Levante talked about it after the game, and, and our motto was never blink. And they never blinked. They had resolve. They had resiliency. They had toughness. Uh, they showed their pride. They stayed together through everything, up and down, adversity and everything else. And... I think them staying together with the leadership on our team is what pulled us out the other side. It also helps to have a guy named Mike Evans on your team in these situations. I mean, I feel like I could read a thousand stats about him and say a thousand things. For right now, we'll just talk about three touchdowns, 207 yards. He's the first player in franchise history to have multiple touchdown receptions over 50 yards in a game. And he now has as many three touchdown games as everyone else in team history combined. Wow. Um, Tell me what it is about Mike that can let him have a game like that, and particularly when it comes to multiple touchdown games like this, when for a lot of the season hadn't found the end zone, and, and to have a game like this to re- be reminded of what a guy like Mike can do. 
He competes. You know, I think the first game, they kept a safety over top of him, and most teams do. When you leave him one-on-one, you don't realize how fast he is until he gets going. And once he gets going and catches the first one, it's going to be a long day if you don't try to help out. Uh, what he did yesterday was unbelievable. He happened to wear a Jordan North Carolina shirt to the game, which was very nice. I told him you need to wear that to every game. If Do we not, need one I'm, for every player I'm on gonna, the team? I'm yeah. going to get him one. <laughs> I'm going to get him one. But he, 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 it's a credit to his work ethic. It's a credit to who he is, how he came out of college, and still competes till this day. You can't say enough about him. And now gets his 1,000-yard season, ninth year in a row. Um, only the third player to do that. The others are Hall of Famers Jerry Rice and Tim Brown. Not a not bad company. Not at all. Um, and these guys to be the only one that's done it his first nine years to be so productive so early and then also have that consistency. What is it that puts him in the class of guys like that to to do it as long consistently and early to where he's still? I mean, he's only two years behind Jerry Rice to be the one that's done it the most of everybody. That's work ethic. That's good coaching throughout when he was coming up. That's good high school, college, peewee coaching. That's great parenting. That's great discipline by him. That's understanding his work ethic and not taking everything for granted in this league and taking days off and him just being that guy and understanding he's that guy. The biggest competitor he has is the one in the mirror, and he seems to fight it very well. And I know that there were a lot of explosive plays to him as well. His 63-yard touchdown was the longest offensive play of the year. I know those are the types of plays that you guys have really been wanting more of and, and not experiencing maybe quite as many as you know this offense is capable of. What worked in that area, particularly in this game? Again, they, they were singling them up. You know, they were single high. Uh, Tom did a good pump fake to the other side. He had time to throw the football down the field, and they connected. And once they connect one time, you believe it's going to be a big day. And Tom Brady, another guy with uh, quite a big day, to say the least. Um, he got a new season high in yards, became the first player in NFL history to complete at least 30 passes in five consecutive games and at least 30 completions in 10 games within a single season. His performance with that kind of volume in particular in this game, and of course we can always throw in at his age, um, what was so impressive to you about his performance to rack up the yards, the completions, and have over 75% completion rate in a game like that? Just dialed in. You know, he refused to lose. He was dialed in. Mike was dialed in. They connected with each other. And once they saw that connection, it happened over and over and over. And I know that Brady also had a, you know, QB sneaks, QB keeps, the, the touchdown that he was able to get. He is known for being very effective, particularly at the QB sneak. I'm sure there were times back in your days coaching against him that you um, unfortunately, we're the victim of that as well. So why is he so good, particularly at those, And even though when maybe that's not going to be something he's as known for as other things? Very smart. He, he can find the cracks within the line, and he can weasel his way down in there. I know he's not very fast out of the pocket, but in the pocket and the sneak, he might be the best at running a 40-yard dash for one yard. For one yard. I like that. <laughs> And uh, I know he took a couple sacks, but it, it also felt like he had, you know, must have the time to throw those deep balls. And um, what did you see from the offensive line overall and also his confidence in it throughout that game? I thought the pass protection was good. Uh, one of the sacks, they had a good stunt. Two of them, there was nobody open downfield, you know. I think they had great pass protection. I think we need work in the run game. 
uh, especially the interior three. We got to get better in the run game if we want to go forward. Casey Phillips here with head coach Todd Bowles. We talked about the offensive line, and you mentioned there was some work in the run game that they could do overall. I know that uh, Fournette and Rashad combined for 50 yards. Was it we didn't need the run game as much situationally? Was that it wasn't working? Was it what the offensive line was doing, what the Panthers were doing? What would you say all contributed to it not being one of the bigger rushing games of the year? They're a physical front. You know, it's tough to run the ball on them guys up front. Obviously, with Derek Brown leading the way, they're very physical. They're very strong. Uh, we just missed some. They split some double teams, just lack of technique that we got to get better at going forward that caused the run game to not, to not do so well. What did you see from Chris Godwin in the game that he was incredible in terms of the targets to receptions and a lot of yards, but then he had a fumble, which I think was only his third of his career, very uncharacteristic of, of him, uh, had a, an OPI as well. So how do you kind of sum up everything that you saw from Chris Godwin in that game? I thought he played well. He played hard. You never want to fumble the ball. They got him from behind. He did have two hands on the ball, you know, to his credit. We just got to hold on to it. The OPI, we got to learn. We got to just run the route. We know we can't block after one yard, so we got to take care of that. But he opened up a lot of deep things for Mike. Mike opened up a lot of short things for him. So they feed well off each other. He had over 100 yards as well. And Chris plays, he plays great ball games every week. And Julio and, and Russell Gage, it's felt like it's been nice to see the contributions they've been able to make now that it's been a little bit more consistent in terms of their availability and their health. Um, you saw, you know, Julio with the jet sweep again, like he's a reinvigorated uh, guy out there and, and Gage didn't have a ton of catches, but they were significant, it seemed, and, and produced some, some big yardage on at least one of them. What have their contributions meant in a game like this where you have Mike and Chris just going off for some big numbers, having those two to supplement that, what has that meant to this offense? You can forget about them when Mike and Chris are having such great games and then they can sneak in and make some plays and some clutch plays and some key plays, and they've been doing just that. Russell, especially the last two weeks, Julio's been getting the jet sweeps, he's been catching the outcuts. He makes some key contributions every time you need to play, and they're doubling in two other guys. Now, those two are great receivers in their own right, and they need to be doubled as well, but you don't have enough people to do that. So we're happy with what they're doing right now and probably get them involved a little bit more. I know Kate Otten, he's proven that he can make some big plays this year and come in clutch, um, but these last couple games felt like maybe a little off um, chemistry-wise with Brady or some of the routes, miscommunications, things like that. What would you say you've seen these last couple games in his play and then uh, his chemistry with Brady as they figure that out? I think they have good chemistry. You know, Kate, as he sees the plays full-time and situations differently, that'll get better in time. He's still a rookie. You keep forgetting about that because he's made so many clutch catches this year. But Kate's a warrior. You know, he comes out there to compete. He may mess up a play, but he'll come back and make a couple more. And I think the chemistry is just going to grow and grow, and we have a lot of confidence in him. We knew going into this game that the Panthers were going to try to run the ball and then run it more and then run it more. It seemed like that it was just their entire recipe for success. I mean, 380 maybe rushing yards the week before, yeah. which is absurd. And then you guys were able to hold them to 74 yards rushing total. Um, what was working so well? What are you proud of about your defense to be able to hold a team that not many other teams had been able to hold to under 100 rushing yards? Well, we thought we were going to have to make them pass, so we kind of loaded up the box and dared them to throw the ball and beat us in the air. We thought we can get some turnovers if we wanted to make them throw the ball upwards of 30 times. Uh, and we got that accomplished, and we got three turnovers in the process, so that helped us. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of those turnovers, Anthony Nelson, a guy that now two games in a row with a strip sack, 
Um, what have you seen from his production, and especially with the fact that he's playing every snap, to still be playing at such a high rate and, and be able to make plays like that? Loves to play. Very smart player. He might have been the only college player I've watched on film that never fell for a bootleg when he was in college, and that, that made me like him even mm. more so. And when he came in, he was the same way. He never fell for a bootleg in practice, and no matter who was running it, and his consistency and effort has paid off and his talent's coming into his own. He's a different type of rusher than Shaq and all those guys. He doesn't have the athleticism they have, but he's got the length, he's got the strength, and he's got the intelligence, and he, he's becoming a good pass rusher. And Sean Murphy, Bunting, another guy, forced fumble, interception. Uh, you've talked in the past about how smart Sean is, and what have you seen lately of why it seems like he's playing some of his best ball of his career in these recent games? It's his health. You know, it's his health. His confidence has always been there, but his health is there. He, he sees the game a lot slower, and he understands what's going to happen to him before it happens, and that makes him play very fast. Um, I know that you were missing Carlton Davis, um, but you got Jamel Dean back. Um, what was the effect of not having Carlton and the ways you guys tried to make up for that, and then how you felt like the other guys stepped in in his, in his absence? Well, Dean stepped in. Obviously, he wasn't in the same kind of shape he was before he left, but he fought and he did a good job fighting out there. Uh, he'll be better next week with another week of practice as he gets 100%. But they fought out there. Him and Sean did a good job of limiting the balls over the top. You know, we got one ball he misjudged that he could have got for an interception that he won't let live down. But other than that, we, we did what we were supposed to do for the most part. We got the turnovers, uh, we got off the field on third down, and that was really the big thing. To control the clock was big for us because they kept the ball. Their three wins, their last three out of four wins, they had the ball over 35 minutes. So we held it for 33, they held it for about 25, so that was huge for us. We knew getting Vita back of all games, probably this was a pretty decent one to get him back when we knew how much they wanted to run it. Um, how much of the success in run defense this year seems to be correlated with being able to have he and Akeem next to each other, just what that adds to this defense, what having Vita out there meant, whether it was even recovering a fumble or what he's able to do up in the middle, what all you saw him contribute? They're huge. The two big guys in there allow our two linebackers to run. They, they allow Devin and Levante to run free all the time because if you don't, they're going to make the play and they're going to make you pay, but they make the ball go to the perimeter. And when they're in the game, we understand that not too many people are going to come up the middle, so we're ready to run sideline to sideline. So they have an impact, a huge impact on what we do defensively. We know Ryan Suckup has been a huge part of the success for the team this year, especially in games like in Arizona. Um, this was probably not his favorite game that he's ever played in. And uh, what have you guys figured out at this point, you know, kind of reviewing the game of what led to some of his struggles, whether it was the missed extra point or the, the blocked kick? We know 53 was a, a pretty long one for him on that one. But overall, what have you kind of taken away from, from his game and what it might mean moving forward? I told Coach Armstrong it was completely my fault because we gave him a game ball the week before, and every time I give a kicker a game ball, the next week they don't kick well. Oh, no. So, so he he. I thought the extra point was low when they blocked it. I thought the kick was low, and the long kick we just missed. Obviously, we got to be better there and get a little closer. But wasn't his best game. He's been solid all year for us. Uh, we'll try to get him in a better position, but at the same time, he's got to be better too. So this is officially the last time you give a kicker a game ball, you think? Unless it's the Super Bowl winning yeah, kick. Yeah, there's not another game right after <laughs> exactly it. Yeah, right. that's a good point. 
Um, <laughs> and then, man, Jake Camarda, uh, not often that we get to praise a punter for the athletic ability. Um, just tell me, when you were watching this in real time, what all went through your mind in that few seconds and then the reaction when you saw his choice and what he was able to do. Oh, I was pissed. <laughs> when the ball bounced, I was pissed. I bet. He was running, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I won't say what I really was saying, mm -hmm. but. Some other choices. And then when he kicked words. it, and when he kicked it, I think once they saw where he kicked it at, then the flag came out for illegal man downfield because they didn't want to get him all the way down inside the 10, but it was a heck of an athletic play. Very thoughtful, very heady, very under a sharp. He's a sharp young man, sharp young man. Yeah, as Levante said, this is why you draft an athletic punter, apparently. That's now every, exactly right. every team is going to see this and know this is what it means. Ring of honor for Bruce Arians happened in the game. Nice to get a win in honor of that. And I know that there was also a ceremony for him. Uh, Friday evening you were able to be at. Just what was it like to get to watch so many of the guys celebrate a guy you've known for so long and, and see him get this honor, even though, because I know you were a little busy during the, the actual halftime part of it. So uh, at least you get to see the, the Friday evening reception part. I thought it was outstanding, you know, to, to see all the people that he's touched. And that's not even all the people, mm -hmm. but the people that are around here, that's around here, he makes you feel like you're the only one he's helped. And it's probably about 500,000 to a million people he's mm -hmm. helped. And to see everybody come back and pay respects to him and him get his just dessert was outstanding. I texted him after the game. I said that was, that was so great to see uh, his legacy being put up there for his kids and his grandkids to see and all the people that he's helped out along the way. That there's no bigger honor in football wise other than the Hall of Fame to have your name on the stadium for years to come. It's incredible. And um, for you guys now, the, the beauty of clinching this game is you now have one more that very rare to have games at the end of the year not matter but also be going to the playoffs. That's a, it's a much better way to have them not matter. <laughs> um, how do you factor in the idea of uh, resting people, but accomplishing some things that you want to work on, and then also just the limits of the roster numbers and having to put together a full team? All three of those kind of bring in unique dynamics. So what do you weigh? What do you consider? And, and what do you think your decisions are going to be on that? Well, first, all the games matter to us. You know, we try to win them all, and we're going to compete and try to win them all. We have some things we need to work on. Uh, we're going into it with everybody expecting to play. We'll see how it goes from there. But you want to be cleaned up by the time you get to the playoffs, especially some things we needed to work on last game. You can't come back every week, so you know, and you don't want guys to relax at the same time because they take that week off. They're not going to be ready the next week. So it's a fine line. Uh, we'll get the pulse of our team, we'll practice, and we'll see where we are, but right now everybody's expected to play. One of the essentially mantras of the NFL is about not whatever you did before the playoffs, but it's what happens once the playoffs start, and so often it's who gets hot at the right times going into the playoffs, regardless of what you did the rest of the regular season. How would you define where this team is at in terms of being at its best ball at the right time going into the playoffs? I don't know if we're at our best ball, but we are at our best resiliency and we're very gritty and we're very competitive and very tough, which makes us very dangerous. So if our best ball follows up with the rest of it that I just stated, you know, we'll be a tough out. So then finally with this game against the Falcons, what are the things you would want to most see happen separate from whatever the Falcons are going to be doing that is just about you guys to know that you are maybe playing your best ball going into the playoffs? 
Uh, offensive line-wise, we want to clean up some of the things in the interior. Obviously, we want to work on that with some of the run game. Defensively, we want to make sure coverage-wise, especially in two-minute, uh, we got to work on some things there. And we just want to play a solid overall game. We just want to play a solid overall game. That's all you ask, you know, as a head coach. Just It's a tiny <laughs> little thing. Just everyone... Play perfect. <laughs> We're all good Not perfect, course. but play well. Mm, play well. I love it. All right. Well, Coach, thank you so much. And again, congratulations on that playoff berth and that back-to-back -back NFC South champions. Thank you. Coming up next on Buccaneers Total Access, we will have new Ring of Honor inductee Bruce Arians. Brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access. Brought to you by Advent Health. Pressure coming up the gut. And Pescott goes down. He's sacked for the first time of the game. Devin White. Linebacker blitz. Now more with head coach Todd Bowles and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. We had head coach Todd Bowles on in our first half, and now I'm so excited to be joined by a very special guest who used to do this show every week. We got former head coach Bruce Arians <laughs> and now current Ring of Honor inductee. So first of all, coach, just congratulations on that and uh, an honor very well deserved. And I'd, I'd just love to hear the emotions and, and everything that probably were uh, too hard to explain in some ways, but give, give it a shot for our radio yeah, audience yeah, here. Yeah, really, you know, I kept waiting for it to hit me, and uh, I was pretty calm. And then all of a sudden, when they, you know, when they dropped the covering off the name, and, and uh, I got a little emotional, so I had to go around keep hugging people so I couldn't <laughs> wait for I could talk. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> but it was great, you know, to have my whole family there with us, and, um, you know, just... It's such a humbling thing when you see your name up against Barbara Brooks and Salstadt and all those guys, Leroy Selman and those people. Um, you never dream about that kind of stuff. You know, you just, as a coach, you come in and put your head down, go to work with your staff. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we had that great year and uh, and things like this happen from it. But uh, you got to thank the players. It's really for them, you know. I just said, I'm up there honoring you guys. That's amazing. And, I mean, I, I, to be next to Rondé, Mm -hmm. You know who you've known as a since a baby, essentially. Mm -hmm. How cool is that for you? It was really cool. I, it was very special for me, and uh, you know, so long ago, I bounced him off off my knee every every time his brother got sick, and uh, you know, just watching his career uh, all these years. As uh, I always call him, my nephew, and um, ju it's just I, I, we have to get him into the Hall of Fame. I know you talked about how uh, there was Friday night a reception as well that was for players, coaches, your friends and family. These are two very different experiences in some ways of the one getting to you know be celebrated in front of the whole stadium, and then Friday night was the more intimate mm -hmm. gathering of the people more involved in it. Maybe mm -hmm. um, what was Friday night like for you? Uh, it was awesome. I mean, you know, when you, when you hear the, the guys get up there and talk, you know, it, it was very very touching. Um, covered a lot, a lot of, of you know players. I mean, Kevin Ross all the way back to Temple, you know, 40, 40 some whatever years ago. And yeah, it was it was very humbling. And um, but what a great night. Uh, Vita wanted me to ask if you had a favorite speech that was given, and I'm sure he has no reason for asking. <laughs> as long as he didn't have a damn bucket of water with him, I was fine. <laughs> you were okay. That's amazing. Uh, was it challenging to have to wait? You got it rescheduled because of the hurricane. That mm. I'm sure that was kind of challenging to feel like it was about to happen. And, and how did that work even with some of the people you were trying to have come in town? Yeah, some of my brothers uh, couldn't make it back. You know, everybody's place got canceled that week. And uh, with the holiday weekend, it was a little more expensive, too. So it was, it was a little bit difficult for some of them. How about the idea of what this meant to your family that I think that some people um, forget 
what coaching families can go through. Yeah, I think it probably means as much or more to my wife as anybody. I never saw her smile that that many days in a row. It's that big, uh, you know, and uh, it was awesome. And and for Jake and Shelby to kind of orchestrate everything and Christy and the boys and Blake get here. It was just, it was a great weekend. Um, and I know that getting a chance to have a Bucks win on that day, very nice to, mm. to have that be a part of it. And um, I think that uh, Coach Bowles started his press conference after the game with a, a no risk it, no biscuit in your honor and, and said this one was for you. So when you were watching that game, especially, I guess, as a, a former offensive coach, um, what was it like to watch the, the offensive performances in that game like Brady and, and Mike had? Yeah, it was it was it was worth the wait. <laughs> you know, uh, we're so used to seeing that and it was not there this year. And then at the perfect time, it showed back up. And, you know, Chris has been Chris all year. And, uh, and the other guys are all filling in, but uh, to see to see Tom and Mike get on that same page and and, uh, and hit a 200 yard game, you know, we thought we'd have a couple of those this year, and uh, but at the right time, you know, this is what we need to do at this time of the year, get everybody healthy and get rolling. Does this feel like a team that now is really hitting its stride at the right time? Yeah, I definitely think so. And uh, that second half against Cincinnati was kind of an abomination. It just the way that all the turnovers happened. We were playing so good in that first half. And uh, so I think we've just continued to build and and get everybody healthy this week. And uh, we should have almost have all hands on deck and uh, finish the season out, get a winning season, and um, and, and let's, let's bring on whoever wants to come. And for Mike Evans to get his 1,000-yard season, just tell us, in, in your mind, what is the most underrated about him or, or why do we feel like maybe he doesn't always get the credit of – how incredible this stat is that he's done it where he's now just two seasons shy of Jerry Rice doing it and mm-hmm. he's the only guy to do it his first nine years. Just what this says about him. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about top five receivers in the league, if you don't have Mike in, in there, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He's such a hard guard. I mean, finally when somebody gives him single coverage, it's, it's all over. And uh, and to see him and Tom on the same page. But Mike, Mike is – he's a great, great player, probably the most – unselfish wide receiver, great wide receiver I've ever been around. And uh, I think his friendship with Chris is so strong that neither one are jealous. Mm-hmm. You know, they just want to win. And uh, when you're on a losing team for so long, the stats matter. Mm-hmm. But when you start winning and you put rings on your fingers and you know this is really what matters, yeah. you know, but the stats are still great, right. you know. Uh, and that just, he's, he's a better person. That's the, that's, the, that's the thing about Mike. He's a better person than player. Uh, we're talking to Ring of Honor inductee Bruce Arians. And how about for watching this offensive line, just knowing how much adversity they've gone through, that of all position groups that need the chemistry, mm-hmm. need the continuity to watch all these different combinations of guys that have had to play, losing a leader like Ryan Jensen early on, having young guys step in. What has it been like for you to watch the way that they've all handled it and, and bonded and, and made it work? Yeah, I, I think – I don't think Joe and Goody get enough credit. I mean, they're they're getting way too much blame, that's for sure. But they they've held that group together with everybody stepping in and stepping up. Not only did they have to play, but they played good. You know, uh, I go all the way back, you know, to New Orleans. Brandon steps in there, Josh goes down. You know, Donnie's down. There goes Brandon. It's like, all right, he, he held his own. I mean, that's that's really good coaching, having guys ready to play. So as we you know, think about this Ring of Honor moment for you and getting to, I'm sure you've done a lot of 
retrospective moments, looking back at your career, doing all the memories and everything. What do you feel like it is as you listen to everybody talk about you and as you think about your career, what have you wanted to be known for most during your career? Oh, I don't know. I, not conservative, that's for sure. <laughs> Anything but conservative. Anything but that. <laughs> I think uh, you accomplished it. I think you did good. Yeah, I think just um, that we did it our way, you know, um, that, and I think it's the right way. Players, um, for whatever reason, I've, I've always had their respect. And I, I think it's because I tell them the truth, you know, and uh, they they can see through sugarcoating, you know, quickly. And, uh, you know, we don't do that. Yeah, that is true. Um, what are some of the things that you would say you're you're most proud of that you've accomplished or things that you've done as you look back? What are the, the things that you, you personally are, are very proud of? I, I, there's so many things. I, I think back to the six years at Temple and how successful those guys are and how close they are. Uh, having those guys on the staff, you know, those four captains uh, on the staff means a lot to me. And uh, But the relationships of, of guys, Dave Marler, who I coached in 79, was sent text messages, you know, guys that I've coached throughout all those years. Very, very happy I'm, I'm part of it. You know, some of the Mississippi State guys were in the stadium. They're taking a picture, you know. Uh, one of them sent, hey, we think Mike Leach got too much credit. We were running an air raid back in 79. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's like, uh, but yeah, it was... Uh, that that's to me is the whole part of coaching. So then on the flip side, what would you say is the hardest part of coaching? And is it different depending on the level you're coaching at, whether you're a position coach, coordinator, head coach, when you look at just the most challenging aspects of being a head coach or one of those other positions? What I, is that? I think the biggest challenge is, is what happened to us this year. When you start losing, not losing just a player, but a great leader, that guy has to step into those shoes. You, you preach and preach and preach. The most valuable player on your team is a backup because the expectation level doesn't change, yeah. all right? And you're, you're putting on a Bucks helmet. You're expected to play this way. I'm really happy for Robert Hainsey. I thought Ryan Jensen's a hard guy to replace. Yeah. I mean, with his energy and everything he brings, Hainsey's done a hell of a job. And, and I think as the injuries hit your team, I go back to Arizona. You know, we go 13-3, and next year we lose everybody. Mm-hmm. And we're 7-8-1 and one, fighting our tails off just to get to 7-8-1. and one when we thought we'd be a Super Bowl team. Those those are hard on you. I mean, I'm sure that the game and players both have changed a lot over the course mm-hmm. of your coaching career. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like you had to adapt or change through all that, or did you decide I'm the same no matter what else is going on oh, here? Oh, no, no, you have to adapt. If I coached now like I did at Temple, I'd be in jail. <laughs> I mean, it would be brutal, <laughs> unhumane stuff, <laughs> what we did back then and the way I was coached. Yeah, I think today's players are still and the whole generations are so different and you can see it change tension spans how to teach what do they learn from and i think as a really good coach it starts in your in your position room you got to figure out how this guy learns how that guy each one are so different some are visual some are walkthrough guys some have to have it all some have to have it on paper others can use an ipad now. but just finding those hot buttons and how to teach them because that's all coaches are glorified school teachers <laughs> That's amazing. All right. Well, we have more coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access with Ring of Honor inductee Bruce Arians brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles and Bucks insider Casey Phillips brought to you by Advent Health. 
Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. We are joined by Ring of Honor inductee Bruce Arians. Um, most important question I have of the whole day, when do you remember getting called the coolest or swaggiest coach around? When did this start? How did this start? <laughs> I had Larry Foote back in Pittsburgh. He used to say that all the time. And then, you know, I guess somebody asked me in an interview with Ben, are you too much like a father figure? <laughs> I'm nobody's father figure. <laughs> I don't want to be a father figure. I want to be that cool uncle you want to go have a drink with. Yes. <laughs> and it kind of started then. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, how about the idea of you got a head job for the first time so much later in your career and in your life than typical. How do you feel like that shaped the kind of coach you were, the kind of person you are, and, and how different would that be as compared to some of these guys that are getting these jobs in their 30s now? Yeah, I think for me it was easy. I didn't have to worry about the next job. <laughs> I could do whatever I wanted to do my way. Yep. And and I, I think our staff felt that too. You know, I, I never felt like when I left Arizona, I'd ever be coaching again. But my son wore me out, you know, and he and Jason getting together and then knowing what a great opportunity it was in Tampa. But then 18 coaches were available. And that's that's like a sign. Mm-hmm. And I, my wife said, no, no, no. I said, you know, 18 girls already. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I don't have to coach any coaches. That's the hardest part, coaching coaches. Speaking of that, I mean, you talked about these guys you've known for 40 years, and, and Todd Bowles is, is one of those guys. So what a um, compliment, what a statement when you've known him for that long, and he's a guy that you wanted on your staff, and then you were excited to take the reins from you afterward. What is it about Todd that makes you feel that way about him? Oh, he's one of the smartest players I've ever had and by far one of the smartest coaches I've ever been around. He, he just knows the game. He knows how to teach the game. He has an ungodly rapport with the players. <clears throat> Don't be fooled by that demeanor. Yeah. He's mean dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. I feel like you were more fiery on the sidelines, but I know that 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 is something that the players and everyone talks about is who Todd can be on the practice field and in meetings and all that stuff that a he's very funny <laughs> and that that's something not everybody always gets to see who do you think uh was better at um maybe trash talking a player or if a player did something wrong your your way and Todd's way of of getting on a guy when he messes up define yeah, what that is they're very very similar yeah yeah there there's not really nice words being said <laughs> you know especially if you've been coached to do this and you did that yeah. yeah, it's not very it's not very nice. You know, I, there's been such a trend towards wanting to hire offensive minded head coaches that for a long time that this league has done a lot of rule changes and things to promote the offense, promote the scoring. You're an offensive guy yourself, but what is it about why you still think guys like Todd or just defensive people in general can and should still be running these teams and getting head coaching well, jobs? Well, you know, for a long time it was a defensive league. Everybody defense got hired that yeah. because, you know, Belichick and Parcells and those guys went on defense. So it's like defense, defense, Jimmy Johnson. Uh, then some offensive guys started winning. It's a very, it's such a copycat league, you know, and uh, everybody's trying to hire the next Sean McVay. And only one of them, two of them have come out. Zach Taylor's done a heck of a job. But then you look at Sean McDermott, who fought his way all the way through as a defensive coach, and he's got a hell of a football team. So the, the one thing that a defensive coach has to have is a hell of a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, I think an offensive coach can get by maybe with a great defense and an average quarterback a little bit better. But no, I think this league, you have to score points, but you got to play defense too. Do you remember for you where the no risk it, no biscuit slogan first came from or how that started? Uh, yeah, this goes, that goes way back. And uh, somebody said it to me. If you ever read the poem, If by Roger Kipling, mm. all right, it, it kind of goes back to that poem. My high school coach had that on our playbook. 
And that poem has resonated with never be afraid to throw your hat in the ring, you know, and, and it's you're much better off trying than sitting and watching hmm. and not trying at all. And it's like, hmm. Yes, so it just it really resonated with me, and it's kind of like, don't be afraid to take a chance. Yeah, you know? we're talking to a current Ring of Honor inductee, Bruce Arians. Now that you have had time to look back on the 2020 season, where talk about an example of not being afraid to throw your hat in the ring, um, what do you feel like was the thing about that team that was the the lightning in a bottle? That why that year that team was the one to win it all? I, I, they made a commitment to each other first to beat COVID. And in our first meeting, and I didn't have a Zoom call that entire season. Now, that's assistant coaches Zoom. I'm talking to you face-to-face. We're very fortunate in Florida to have the facilities here at Tampa Bay that we had that we couldn't we could meet. We didn't have to do Zooms. I could look them in the eye. Mm-hmm. And the first challenge was we ain't beating anybody until we beat COVID. Mm-hmm. But our, our facilities gave us an unbelievable advantage to meet outside, eat outside, do all the things that we could do and stay within the the framework or the guidelines. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's hard for 22, 23 year old dudes to just go home every night. Yep. And it's like, all right, man, this, this is your, you better get a girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you Start go going out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, that, and, and we talked a lot about that early in the season and, and our guys made a commitment to each other that they weren't going to let each other down. And I, it just, it, as this team grew, you know, what are awful nights in Chicago? We had an almost awful night in New York. We started learning how to play in empty stadiums, you know, and uh, I loved it in Green Bay when they handed out all those noisemakers because it finally felt like a football game. Yeah. I said, we're going to play better tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Got some noise here. Um, I feel like one thing that uh, people may not know as much about you was your quarterbacking days at Virginia Tech that uh, you held the record for QB rushing touchdowns there all the way till 2016. Um, if you now, as a, give me a coaching or scouting report on yourself <laughs> as a QB back then. Uh, when it was a passing offense, I was a running quarterback. When it was a running <laughs> offense, I was a passing quarterback. <laughs> but no, I went through two games. I had my elbow slightly dislocated and they just taped it because I ran away. I went two games without completing a pass. <laughs> we only attempted three in one game and six in the other, but I couldn't throw. And uh, we ran to wishbone and. You know, it was, that record is still intact, though, because there's an asterisk. He played 14 games. Ah, uh, yes, 11, of course, he, the asterisk. He beat it and tied it in the 14th, in 13th the 14th. and 14th game. So, yeah, so you still have the record. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, what I think is so interesting about that time, and we talked about the fact you've known Rondé for so long, and it's because you were roommates with his dad uh, at Virginia Tech, and that ended up being the first time that a white player shared a dorm room with a black player there at Virginia Tech. What do you remember about that? Did you understand the significance at the time? Did it feel big or important? No, it just felt normal to yeah. me. You know, I was I was a minority on my first football team when I was nine. So <laughs> it was like it's nothing. My best friend in, in high school was African American. So yeah, it, it was just normal for me. Not it was really a shock to a lot of Southern guys, you know. And and I didn't get that until they started asking me questions. I'm like, uh, this this. Yeah, you're like, what do you He's a hell of a lot better roommate than you are. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. What do you feel like I, I, the racial and gender equality aspect of your coaching has been something that you're very passionate about? You have been very active in trying to facilitate. What shaped your desire to promote the racial and gender equality, especially with your hiring? You know, the, the, the fact that 
our four top guys are African-Americans was not by design. That was just the best guys I knew that I've worked with over the years. The fact that Larry Foote got an opportunity because I knew he'd be a great coach. I've also tried to get Kelly Holcomb and, and Drew Stanton into coaching, but their families and, and just don't allow it, you know. But I, I try to identify players that I thought would be great coaches. Byron, it took me three years to get him off the couch. You know, uh, Footy jumped right in. Um, Rashad Johnson's on our staff now. And just, um, <clears throat> But I can say that the door for women had to be opened. And in Arizona, somebody had asked me a question, and, I, and you've heard me talk about Dot Murphy. Dot was, she was a receiver coach at Heinz Junior College. Her husband was the head coach. And uh, we'd clinic together all the time. She was one of the best coaches I, I knew at that time. And it's like, I know women can coach. And she was tough as nails on those guys. Um, <clears throat> so I get a call. Are you serious about this? I think I have a, a person that you'd, you'd, be, you'd really like. And it was Dr. Jennifer Welter. And I met Jen and, and Ball of Fire. And, uh, okay, let's, let's do it. Uh, and if she could handle it, you know, because there was going to be a lot of media, you know. And, and she, she did a great job with it. And then... You know, when we came here, I have to get my wife credit because I said, you know, I'm going to talk to Darcy. I think we'll have a full-time, year-long intern. I'm like, no, yeah. Are you going to hire another little girl and throw her away at the end of the year? If she ain't good enough, don't hire her. Huh. Good point. I'm hired too. <laughs> and Darcy was all in. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so was Joel and Ed and everybody. So it's like, you know, we did a little search and um, I was doing a clinic at UAB and Joe Pendry, who I worked with in Kansas City and known forever, he said, hey, man, I've got a defensive line coach at, on our Birmingham Iron. I said, I said, really? Tell her to send her stuff to me. Mm -hmm. And got stuff, interviewed Lori. And at that time, I said, wait a minute. She was at Temple with all the rest of the guys. Yeah. you know, And it never dawned on me until she came in for the interview. And it was just a perfect fit. Perfect fit. And then we... We did a Anthony Paroli and I did a search on, and uh, we 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 found MJ, who was absolutely awesome. I wouldn't be standing here today if without her. I wouldn't have met, made it through the last two years <laughs> yeah. without her working on my back every day. And uh, so yeah, those are two great hires. And you know, I think throughout the league now, you're seeing it. You're seeing it in college. You know, I, I love going to the symposium um, and seeing all the recruiting coordinators and everybody. I, I'm starting to see some position coaches. You know, we had Heather in from Brown, who's the quarterback coach at Brown, for an internship during the summer with the, with everybody. And uh, so yeah, that door just had to be opened. Yeah, that's incredible. All right, we have one more segment coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access with Ring of Honor inductee Bruce Arians, brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles now continues, brought to you by Advent Health. It's time for our final segment here on Buccaneers Total Access with Ring of Honor inductee Bruce Arians. Um, you have coached, I mean, good grief, your quarterback resume here of Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. I think spoiled might be the word we should use uh, for this here. You're basically like the, the NBA version of him getting to coach Kobe and yeah. Michael Jordan and Shaq and all these guys. So um, what do you remember about coaching quarterbacks like that that are at such an elite level, those guys individually, and, and how similar or different maybe were they to each other in the way you would coach them? Yeah, I mean, each and every one was so different. Uh, again, it, it's going back. How, how do they learn? You know, how do they see it? 
You, there has to be a trust built that he's going to tell you the truth. Don't tell me what you think I want to hear. Just tell me what the hell you saw so that we can get this right. You know, they all have an uncommon trait that most people don't have. And it's a will to win, no matter what the cost. And I'm going to make you do it. I'm going to, I'm going to will myself on you guys, and we're going to win this thing. Uh, Andrew Luck, as a rookie, had that. And uh, Peyton had it. Tom's got it. Carson had it. Ben's got it. I mean, Timmy Couch had it. All, all the, the great ones that I've, I've been fortunate. All I know is when I have one of those quarterbacks, I have a lot better coach. <laughs> Amazing how that works, <laughs> yeah. huh? I feel like so few quarterbacks can do it at such an elite level. Do you feel like we've almost made the quarterback position too hard or expect too much when there are so few people who can really do it at that level? It's the hardest position in sports. I mean, not any other sport do you have between 1.5 and 2.8 seconds to make a decision on what the coverage is. Am I hot? Where am I going to throw this damn ball? (laughs) And all that. A lot of guys have great arms. They're great athletes, but the, the brain doesn't work that fast. And they can't process the information quick enough to play at this level. And the damn defense is coming up with the craziest blitzes in the world. Everybody's trying to outdo yeah, each other. Yeah, those dang so, Todd Bowles of the world. Yeah, you know? and so it's like, it's amazing what they, have to, what they have to process in such a short amount of time and still be accurate. And so when you watch what Tom is doing, especially, you know, we can always add the sentence of at his age, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. frankly, it's at any age. Yeah. Um, what has impressed you the most and maybe even just that you've learned since your time with him that there's one thing to coach against him or to watch him from afar but then to be his coach and watch his process mm-hmm. and day to day what is so unique about him in general and then especially again at this age yeah I think when you look at the sacrifices he makes to stay in shape and and keep his body where it's at it's amazing and it's not easy you know I mean to play this level at this age takes an unbelievable amount of sacrifice and, and a, a will. And that will is also, I think, what makes him so damn good quarterback. He, he, he has a fire that still burns like a little kid. And, uh, you know, I think if you played any of those guys in any sport, I don't care if it's golf, softball, they all try to kill you. They're going <laughs> to win at all costs. Yeah. We're talking to Ring of Honor inductee Bruce Arians. Where would you like to see the NFL go? What are the things that you hope to see as you now watch it and, and see it grow, change, evolve? What, what are some of those things that you are excited to see already happening and that maybe some uh, some goals you'd like to see moving forward? I, I think college football is starting to produce really high quality quarterbacks again. So the league, I think, is going to you know, look at the AFC right now with all those great young quarterbacks. And I think the NFC is going to get them because I think college is putting them out again. You know, the option football took over college there for a while. And those quarterbacks struggled, you know, to, to be drop-back passers. And now with seven-on-seven legs in high school that go all over the country, and just, the passing game has taken over again. I think in that, that phase, we don't have to worry about quarterbacks. I think they're going to be coming in. I, I think the league is in a great shape. The fan base is all around the world now. I mean, Germany obviously was a huge hit, and uh, it was great to see that. I wouldn't be surprised to see a division over there sooner or yeah. later. And, uh, but the one thing I wish we could get to is professional referees. <laughs> now you don't have to worry about also your statements to the rest. Do you feel like now you're going to say more about them of, uh, in your idea? Definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm, still a, I'm still a member of the Bucks. That's true. So we don't, still still get fined. Fined. Yeah. That's true. We don't we, want to get you fined. That's true. We don't want to get you fined. We were close. We started to professional referees. I wish that all referees were professionals yes. and that was their job. 
I mean, it's, the game, yeah, is, it's a the hard game is job. getting so hard mm-hmm. to officiate anymore. Yeah, I agree. I think that is a lot to ask of, of someone that it isn't their full-time job. And I know for you now, you were always a guy that you talked about how you were so fiery, whether to refs or your players. And so now is a, you're on the staff, but non-coaching, Bruce. Are you more chill? Are you more relaxed? What's what's the vibe here? Uh, no one that sits day? up there in the box would, would think I'm yeah. chill or relaxed. <laughs> you've just, you've just <laughs> migrated. They just can't there. hear me cussing those refs up yeah. way up there. <laughs> yes. What is now non-coaching, Bruce, like for people? Like, how, how's your life uh, changed? How's the everything changed for you? I sleep more than I ever slept in my life. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm catching up on 50 years worth of sleep. Yeah. And uh, enjoy going to practice, seeing the guys, talking to the guys. A little input here or there, get out of the way. Yeah. And playing golf in the fall is kind of fun. Not too shabby. What's what's the golf game? What's the handicap? How how you playing? Um, I'm up to an eight, but it's getting better. Getting better. Yeah. yeah. That's not that's not bad. Where's your favorite place you've played? Oh gosh, there's so many, but I love playing Old Memorial. But at the lake, Great Waters is is just an awesome golf course. And then finally, who would be uh, maybe who are your favorite people you've played with, and who's your dream person to play golf with? Well, I was fortunate enough to be at the Phoenix Open. I'm, I'm playing this year too, but I was on the practice range next. Gary Woodland was on one side and Tiger was on the other. Wow. When they hit the ball, it didn't sound like mine. Yeah, that's a shocking. <laughs> but it was just amazing to watch those guys warming up and practice. I got to play in the Phoenix Open with uh, Bubba Watson. was hilarious. Justin Thomas is just an awesome kid. Just an awesome kid. Grant Snedeker. I mean, all the guys are great out there. I mean, they're really great guys. And uh, coaching in Arizona, that was one of the perks. Mm, That is a good perk, absolutely. Well, Coach, thank you so much for coming on the show with us. It was just an honor. And, again, congratulations on the Ring of Honor. Very well-deserved, and it was fun for all of us to watch you get up there. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, and thanks, you guys, for joining us on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio.